This one is recording, and you are going. Good morning, everyone. We're once again back here at Redeeming Love Church on behalf of Pastor John Eckhart. And so I'm Stephanie Pack, and today we're going to continue in the Word. And uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace, and that means He is our peace. And so that as we walk through life, no matter what occurs in our life, no matter what challenge comes up, we can lean upon the fact that Jesus Himself is our peace. So uh, you can go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to start there, and we will open up the service in prayer. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 6, and I am reading out of the New Living Translation today. Father God, we thank you. We thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come and share your word we ask that by your Holy Spirit, our eyes are open to your truth, our ears are open to hear. Father God, we thank you that we don't leave here the same way we came in. I thank you, Lord, that we're instructed, we're encouraged. Father, anything that we need to be adjusted in our lives, we thank you, Lord, that we lean into your word and upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So again, we're going to take a look uh, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. This is a passage of scripture that we oftentimes, for the most part, we hear at Christmas time. And it is one of those prophecies that um, is about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament that we can find in the Old Covenant. And then we actually see it coming to pass in the New Testament or the New Covenant. And it begins this way. For unto us a child is born, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Again, if we take a look, what is he going to be called? He is to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And remember, the very next thing says, his government and its peace will what? Will never end. But we want to kind of extrapolate, pull out the part that he is the prince of peace. So I don't know where all of us are at or maybe during our week, what kind of circumstances that are, you know, availing themselves or making themselves open to us. Maybe perhaps we know people who are going through a difficult time, who are anxious, who are worried, who are concerned about what's going on in their personal lives, in their families' lives, in our communities, our states, our nation, in the world. But I'm here to say to you today to announce once again as a reminder that Jesus is our peace. He even we know Jehovah, all the Jehovah names for God. He is Jehovah Shalom. And that is peace. That is an, anything that's broken is unbroken, right? There's, there's, in him, we have everything. We have wholeness. Anything that we have need of, he is that. He is Jehovah Shalom, and Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 11 first, Matthew chapter 11, and want to show you through the word many different areas that express this idea to us, prove this idea to us. And we're going to look in Matthew chapter 11 and verses 28 and 30, 28 and 30. I want you to know that this whole entire section is Jesus' own prayer. And so even if we back up and begin uh, just a few verses ahead, it says, 
And Jesus prayed this, prayed this prayer, O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. And he's just shown another portion of God's revelation to his disciples. And he's saying, Lord, I thank you that those who should not be aware of this aren't. Says, Father, it pleased you to do this way. In other words, he reveals things to his disciples, his believers, that an unbeliever cannot and is not going to understand. Says, my father has entrusted everything to me. So think about that. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Lord, Jehovah Shalom, has entrusted peace to Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. That, that is a portion of what has been entrusted to him. It says, no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. He has been revealed to us if we become a believer in Jesus Christ. That is one responsibility, and we know that he's given his Holy Spirit to show us things to come, to open our understanding. So in this, he is saying, again, that everything has been entrusted to him. So this next portion of scripture is very important for us to hear and understand and know today as we're looking at the fact that Jesus is our peace. Jesus then said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He's going to give us rest. Rest and peace have been entrusted to him. Then it goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So again, Jesus himself is calling individuals to him. He's revealing himself to those who believe. He's telling us that the Father has entrusted everything to him. And then he calls for people to follow him. Why? Because following after Jesus brings us rest. Rest and peace are so important. They've been important from the beginning uh, of the time in which Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden. It's been an issue. It's been a problem. We get opportunities in our lives every day to not rest and to be, not be in peace. If you talk to someone and you say, how can I pray for you? What are you concerned about today? What's going on in your lives? These two things, and specifically peace itself, you will hear over and over and over again. Well, I'm concerned about, I'm worried about, you know, this is happening, that's happening. Have you noticed what's going on in our world? This is happening in my family. The doctor's giving me this report, and all of that worry and concern and literal burden on your shoulders is weighing you down. But Jesus says, come and follow me. Take my yoke or my purpose upon you, and I will give you rest. And in fact, he promises that what? Twice. So that's the first time. Jesus gives what I would call true rest. Remember how when we were uh, looking at Jesus is the bread of life, and it was explained up against the manna that was given in the wilderness, and he says, I am the true bread. So Jesus is saying, I am your true rest. He gives us. It's a gift. We follow him. We, we do those things which he asks of us. We follow his plan. He promises to give us rest. Now, what is rest? It's freedom from activity or labor. I'm sure you've met someone, and maybe someone in here tends to be this way, that you always have to be on the go. If there's a problem, you just, you just even do more to try to keep your mind off the problem. But Jesus' rest actually causes you to cease from laboring. 
trying to do it all yourself, right? Oh, I've got this, Lord. If it's something bigger, I'll let you know, but I've got this daily stuff, and you try to carry it around. But it's also rest in your mind. So you could say Jesus gives you rest in your mind or peace in your mind. If you speak to psychologists and psychiatrists, many people who find themselves in a situation where mentally they're having difficulties, oftentimes they're the ones that have been trying to carry all of their stuff all by themselves. And they think that they can carry all this and they can get through on the other side somehow. And when they hit the wall, they just don't know what to do and they just crumble. And so my answer is for that, we know that there are situations where we need doctors and we need medicines and people who will work with us. But the true answer, the true rest will be found in Jesus Christ. But he also gives us peace of our spirit. We only have new life and we're given a new spirit man when we accept his come. When we accept what he, who he is and what he has done for us, we're no longer conflicted in our spirit because we now have become a child of God. And so he gives us what? He gives us freedom from labor which this speaks to in Matthew chapter 11. He gives us that rest in our minds, and he gives us true rest in our spirits, the real, the real person. Remember, we're spirit, soul, and body. The real man made after God's likeness and image is our spirit, and that's how we communicate with him. But he certainly, that would include, we are free from, we have rest from anxiety. Because Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take, become a disciple of me. Take my direction. And he again promises, I will give you rest. We're going to turn to John chapter 14. Jesus gives us peace. John chapter 14. And we're going to look in verse 27. Now this section in John 14 is a bunch of promises that the Lord makes to his disciples about what is going to happen in the future. And in here we're promised to receive the Holy Spirit, that he would be our guide, he would be our comforter. But in verse 27, he says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. One verse, and encapsulated in that verse, is everything we need when it comes to dealing with anxiety, fear, concern, worry. He again says, I, Jesus, am leaving you with a gift. Now, I don't know about you all, how many of you have ever gotten a gift? Yes? Feet up in the air too? Yeah? So, but gifts do not cost you. They cost the giver. Either in finances, time, whatever it takes, it's their responsibility to, t to be responsible for the gift. Right? And so in this, Jesus saying, I'm giving you a gift it doesn't cost us anything. What, would we, what do you do to get a gift? You have to actually receive it, right? Now, there are some people who aren't very good at receiving gifts. They're like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Don't do it. I don't need anything. But actually, there's joy in gift giving. So Jesus is saying, I have a gift for you. And what is that gift? That gift is peace. And he's saying it's not a gift the world can give. So if you know someone, or maybe it's yourself, who is anxious, worried, concerned, always needy or fretful, you already have in front of you a gift. You just haven't opened it. Or perhaps if any of you have ever received a really nice gift and you think, well, I don't want to use that now. I'm just going to put that up on the shelf and it looks really nice up there. 
or you put it away and you forget you even have it. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a gift, and that gift is peace. And it's two different kinds of peace. Peace of your mind and peace of your heart. And your heart would be your spiritual realm. Your mind would be part of your soulish realm. So he's saying, I'm giving you a complete peace package. So Jesus is our peace, and he chose to actually not only be peace, but to gift us peace. But many folks, and perhaps even our families, our communities, our nation, and the world, they're looking for the world to solve the peace problem. I mean, whether it's a, a natural war, whether it's something that causes anxiety, we've been through a lot these last few years, and folks have been looking to governments, the world system, to provide them with peace of mind and peace of heart. But Jesus is saying that gift comes only from him. So if someone doesn't know Jesus, it's understandable that they're having difficulty with living in peace. So in this, again, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace that I give, I, Jesus, give, is a gift the world cannot give. Because of that, he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. So if we are given the opportunity to be troubled, to constantly thinking about what's going wrong or what's not going right, what am I going to do, how is this going to work out? Jesus is saying, I'm the answer to your question. And then maybe you find yourself where you aren't troubled, just troubled like what if, but it actually goes to fear. Remember, the Lord doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a what? A sound mind. If he's going to give us peace of mind, then he desires for us to have a sound mind. He doesn't want us to pick up worry to the point and to the extent, period. Don't pick up worry. But if you think on, mull that over constantly, it will lead you to fear. And Jesus is saying, because I gift you peace, a peace of heart and mind, and I'm just telling you the world can't give it to you, but because that's so, do not worry. Do not be afraid. And so today, I just want to express to you again, Jesus is the answer. If you've been worried, if you've been full of fear, of doubt, and the unknown, your answer is Jesus himself. So we could say it this way. He gives us tranquility. Uh, If we're living in peace, we're free from disturbance. We're free from violence. We're free from oppressive thoughts. We're free from emotions that take us on a roller coaster ride. Now, I'm not saying that if you trust in Jesus, nothing is ever going to happen in your life that gives you the opportunity of concern. What I'm saying, when something happens, turn it over to your Prince of Peace. And that is a practice. That is a discipline. Because on the inside, your emotions might go, you might gasp, you might, oh, what am I going to do? But quickly, quickly remind yourself, no, no, not going there. Jesus is my peace. And I would encourage you, if you find yourself in that situation, even just saying the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. You start to get a little bit fretchy. That's what I say. A little bit nervous, a little bit anxious. You don't know what you're going to do. Before you make any other decision and before any words come out of your mouth, remember life and death are in the power of the tongue. Just simply say the name Jesus. And then go on to say, Jesus, I know you are my Prince of Peace and you have gifted me with your peace. I thank you for that and I'm going to continue to remind myself that I have the opportunity to live in peace. Peace of mind, peace of heart. In addition, think about this. 
God's peace will allow you to remain in harmony and good relation with everybody around you. You can walk through a situation and everybody will be like, well, what's your problem? Why aren't you worried? What's your problem? I never hear you talk about this, but I'm just saying to you that Jesus is available. He's already made his perfect peace available for you. He wants you to live in peace with God, with man, and with yourself. Now, this is a perfectly an aside, but I'm just going to say to you, if you have not forgiven yourself for something, or you do not give your, yourself the space and the time to learn, make mistakes, adjust, grow, if you're constantly beating yourself up or listening to the enemy condemn you, you will not be living in peace. So God himself, remember the Father entrusted everything to Jesus. God himself desires for you to lean into him. And that includes you need to be at peace with yourself. And as much as you have to talk to yourself, as much as you have to use the word and say, no, no, I know I'm at peace with God because I've accepted the work of Jesus Christ. I know, Lord, that you will enable me to walk in peace with man. You're going to give me wisdom. You're going to give me favor. You're going to give me the knowledge I need to walk through difficult situations. But he certainly desires for you to be at peace with yourself. Don't constantly allow the enemy to bring up the past or something where you've made a mistake and not look at it in light of God's grace and mercy. That's his desire for you. His desire for you is to be at peace with him, to be at peace with man, and to be at peace with yourself. So I'm going to take a look with you at just some things that I believe will actually help us. So if we're told not to worry, if we're told not to be afraid, we're told that we shouldn't be anxious because Jesus is our peace, let's pull that apart and look at how we can accomplish that and give you some scripture that you can battle with, that you can stand upon, that will help you make that transition, even as quick as flipping the light switch. And this is, again, this is a discipline. This is learning how to walk in peace. We've received peace, but we need to learn how to walk in that peace. So do not be anxious. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6. Now this whole portion of Matthew chapter 6 is really about where do we look for um, our answers. Are they, as we've already talked about, are they in the world? Are they in ourselves? And it is the ability to, you know, heap up more money or more possessions or have a better this or better that. Where are we looking to for our peace, for our strength, for our natural needs? So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 19. He says, again, this is Jesus speaking. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So, just as a reminder, as we're talking about that Jesus is our peace, Jesus needs to be our treasure. Jesus needs to be our treasure because the Lord has entrusted everything to him. If we have need of anything and if Jesus is our treasure, then we're going to have everything that we need. Let's take a look at verse 21. It says, wherever your treasure is, Wherever your treasure is, whatever's important to you, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. So in other words, what are we looking at? It says, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have 
is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I don't know about any of you, but if we become deceived in a particular area, if we're so bl- you know, blinded by that which we've thought we've known or what we've believed, or even been deceived by our adversary to believe something that's incorrect, we may believe that we're walking in the light, that we're actually walking in darkness. What are we looking upon? And in this, it says, No one can serve two masters. So either you're going to follow after Jesus and allow him to be your peace, or you're going to follow after man or government or yourself, you will not receive and have lasting peace if that's where you're looking. So we need to be careful and concerned, concerned in a good way as in, what am I thinking? What am I looking upon? What am I allowing myself to hear? Because I would say to you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, that is why I tell you, verse 25, not to worry about everyday life. Now, I would say a vast majority of the situations that occur that try to steal our peace are everyday life issues. And Jesus himself is saying, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, And then he asked this question, isn't life, and I would say true life, real life, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And then he tells us to look at his creation. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Why? For your heavenly father, your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you God's children, believers, aren't you more important, more, far more valuable to him than they are? And then verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And that question, there's only one answer, no. So think about all those minutes and hours and days and months that we can spend worrying, does it add anything to us? No. It just takes away from what we have and what we've got. So, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. In other words, they're not laboring to get what they need says, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So this is what I would say to you. Let's pull this all the way out. So if you truly believe Hebrews eleven six, we have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to know God's character. We have to know his character. We have to know that his character is good and not evil. We have to remember that he is light and not dark, that he is what life and not death. Right here, this really speaks to this fact that if God cares so wonderfully for his just his natural creation, things that are here today and gone tomorrow, how much more is he certainly to care for us? So when we get out of peace, this next portion of the scripture is so for us. And it says, why do you have so little faith? So now that we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, now that we know that he is our peace because peace has been entrusted to him by the Father, now that we know that peace is a gift that he gives, that we're not to be worried, we're not to be concerned, when we fall into the trap of trying to once again do it ourselves, 
we actually are what? We're not showing our faith. We're actually showing the fact that we're relying upon someone else or something else other than God, other than our Savior, Jesus Christ. So it says here in verse 31, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So we need to check ourselves. Am I allowing, as a believer, am I allowing those kinds of thoughts to dominate me? Or do I put my thoughts towards someone or something else? It says again, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So if you're walking through life and something occurs and a need comes up in your life, I don't want you to think that this somehow caught Jesus by surprise. You need to remember that. And it didn't catch him by surprise. He knows exactly. But he also knows that the peace that he provides for us in Jesus Christ is enough to walk us through any situation that comes up in our lives. So again, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father. Now, if it's referencing your heavenly Father, that means you are a believer. You are a child of God. It says, He already knows your needs. Now, an Old Testament name of the Lord, one of the Jehovah's, is the fact that He already sees something happening in the future and has already provided a way of escape, an answer for you before it even hits your door. So I'm going to encourage you, no matter what hits your door, this week, in the months to come, in the years to come, you need to know that Jesus himself has already provided for you in that, and you can just lean back and know that he has the answer. Now, that does not mean that we do not have a natural responsibility to be a part of the solution. That doesn't mean that we sit around and we don't need to work. We don't need to be diligent laborers. We don't have to be a good steward of that which he's given to us. No, we can lean back in him that as we do the natural things that he shows us to do, that he will, if there's any difference, any lack, he will make up that lack. So I want you to know that you know that you know that we are not to worry any day, any day about the everyday life things that come our way. It's so important that we acknowledge that and that we know that. So the answer is we're not to be anxious for anything. So if you have uh, something to write on, if you have some way to take notes, I want to look to just give you some additional scriptures that you can go back and know to give you the power that you need, the tools that you need, the ammunition that you need to stand against anything that might come your way. So we're going to look at rest first. Remember, Jesus said, I will give you rest there in Matthew. He even says in Exodus 33, 14, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence. So you need to know this was an Old Testament. So remember the Holy Spirit only came upon the prophet, the priest, and the king. However, God himself stated to his people that his presence would go with them and that he himself would give rest. Now remember, if the Father entrusted everything to the Son, then this is what Jesus does for us today. If you have trouble sleeping, we even have two scriptures for that. They're both found in Psalm. You've got Psalm 127 and Psalm 4.8. So if you have trouble literally resting, Jesus has promised God the Father, and we know that God the Father and God the Son are one. They have promised to give us rest. Psalm 4.8 is one of my favorites, and it says that you will lie down and sleep. So maybe some of you, it's like you don't have any problem lying down, 
but going to sleep and staying asleep because every time you start to wake up and think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? This happened, that happened. How's it going to work out? What's going to fix this situation? And he promises again that I am to lie down and sleep in peace. And that peace comes from him. So how about we take a look together at Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Now, this is quoted all the time, is it not? And oftentimes it's used, at, say, for example, at a funeral. But Psalm 23 is a living, how-to-live scripture. It's something that should give us rest because of the promises found there. So it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So think about Matthew chapter 6. Right? If you're worried about what you wear and what you're going to eat and your clothing, all these things, the roof over your head, the everyday things, then you're forgetting the fact that the Lord himself said, I am your shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The King James Version says, I shall not want. Everything you need is found in the fact that you have a good shepherd, which Jesus tells us in the book of John that he is our good shepherd. It says, he lets me rest in green meadows, he leads me beside what? Still or peaceful streams. These are his promises to us that we can't, we don't have to lack, that he'll protect us, he'll keep us, both in the green meadows, right? And the peaceful streams. So in the good times, he'll be there with us. It says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And then here, even when I walk through the darkest valley. King James Version says what? The valley of the shadow of death. Even when he's with me in the good times, when I'm in the green pastures, when I'm beside the still waters, I don't want for anything because he's good, a good shepherd. But this doesn't say if you walk through the valley of shadow of death. It says when. When I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus is our peace. It says, for you are close beside me. Remember that first reference I gave you in Exodus 33:14, my presence will go with you. It says your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. So in life, in this life, you may find yourself in the presence of enemies, but right in the midst of it, God promises to prepare a feast. Now, when you go to a feast, there is nothing missing. You don't, you don't walk away from that table wanting for anything. Just even that word feast has the idea that that table is going to just be so heavily laden with food and delicacies that you're going to be so full, like we might say full as a tick, right? We're not going to lack anything. It says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. Oil speaks of his grace. Oil speaks of his ability, his anointing. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This promises us rest and peace in the good times and in the bad times. He goes with us. His presence is promised to us. Take a look at Psalm 37 over just a few chapters. Psalm 37 in verse 7. It says, For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. If we trust in, have faith in the fact that Jesus is our all in all, that God the Father has already made available everything to us that we would have need of, then we're going to be able to rest if that is deep down on our hearts. So today, I am sure everyone here, especially in, our, in this immediate room, that we know 
that Jesus is our peace, but sometimes it gets stuck in our head and doesn't drop down into our hearts. And we don't want to just have head knowledge of God's word. We want to have heart knowledge and then act upon it so that when we go out of here, there will be a difference in how we handle the things that come to us in this life. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And the reason why I'm using the, all of this scripture is that I believe that different, different scriptures just kind of come alive to each one of us so that I can grab onto one and it, 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 it helps me. It's something that I can, you know, kind of mutter, I can think on, I can chew on that. And it becomes so real to me that the enemy's not going to be able to penetrate that piece. And someone else, it might be a completely different scripture. So we're going to take a look again in Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. Verses 9 through 11. And it says this, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter the rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Think about it in this way. This special rest is only available to those who follow after God, which means this special rest is only available to those who've accepted the work of Jesus Christ. Because we're no longer in the Old Covenant. We're in the New Covenant. Now remember, you have to, rem to think about the fact that the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. It was not written to the, any Gentile church. It was written to Hebrews. And so in this, you need to realize what God has promised us and the difference between that. Now, the King James Version talks about a Sabbath rest. A Sabbath rest. This New Living Translation, it's called a special rest. A set-apart time. We're going to enter into a special rest if we are part of the family. Now, I would say this. I'm not talking about a natural, physical Sabbath. I'm saying to you that natural, special rest has been given to you. And natural, I mean in this life. We don't have to wait for heaven to enter into rest. But it is that active verb to enter Jesus has already provided everything for us. We actually have to take the step and or steps to enter into that rest. And don't fall prey to the beginning of relying on yourself or looking to someone else to provide rest for you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He provides all the rest that you need, not only in this life, but in eternal life, correct? We're not going to have rest, true rest, without Him. And so in this, I want you to know that it is so very important that we remind ourselves as often as is necessary, you cannot hear the truth of these words too little or too often. And we've already taken a look at Matthew 6, but let's take a look at Mark chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're not supposed to worry about everyday life. We're supposed to lean on him. And so let's take a look at Mark 6. Mark 6. Even Jesus himself said it was necessary for him to go away and rest to find peace after working on behalf of the Lord. So this is where I'm going to leave the rest portion of this message. It is that we have a responsibility. 
when we've been giving out and giving out and giving out of our spirit mans, when we've been working for the kingdom and we've been taking care of our families, our jobs, our this, we can become depleted. Now, this portion of scripture is just after the feeding of the 5,000, right? Well, there's one before and after. In the beginning right here that I want to look at, Jesus, he had been on the road and he had just found out about the death of John the Baptist. How did Jesus handle that? Well, we're going to take a look at that. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. Remember, the apostles were sent out two by two, and they were called to do all the things that they had been seeing Jesus doing. And then while they were away, Jesus himself heard the, the unfortunate news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. So again, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, so we've got two things going on. Bad news, family bad news, a death. And then you've also had apostles who have been out giving and giving and ministering and giving some more. So they're depleted both spiritually, well, all three, spiritually, mentally, physically. And this is how Jesus says to them, the very first thing he says to them, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. So if you find yourself anxious, if you find yourself worrying, if you find yourself just living in the land of concern, a reason might be you have become spiritually depleted, physically depleted, and you need to take rest. Get quiet. Go away with the Lord, just you and Him. Look back to His Word. Remind yourself of what is true. Make sure that you build up your reservoirs once again. So if you're having difficulty rest, yes, there are outside forces that cause us to lose, lose our rest or can lose our rest, but the thing that we need to do is take the responsibility. It's our responsibility to enter into rest. It's our responsibility to take rest and allow the Lord to build us up once again. All right? And then let's take for just a few more minutes a look at peace and God's promise of peace, both Old Testament and New Testament, okay? So let's take a look at Psalm 29, Psalm 29. We're going to look at the Old Testament verses first, and then we're going to finish up with the New Testament, New Covenant promises. Now remember, we were already told, we already talked about Psalm 4-8, about that he would give us rest, that we're to lie down and sleep in peace. Amen? That he would give us rest. But in Psalm 29 and verse 11, this is an interesting thing that maybe you've never seen before, or maybe you've put it up on the shelf just like that gift of peace, and you've forgotten about it. So let's just take a look and remind ourselves again. 29 verse 11 it says the Lord gives his people strength and then the last part of that verse is the Lord blesses them with peace we've got to hang on to that so it is the Lord himself who blesses his people with peace not just strength and I think that, that version, or that verse rather, oftentimes is, oh, the Lord will give you the strength you need. But then you forget, but then he also blesses you with peace. And then take a look at Psalm chapter 85. Psalm 85. I want you to walk away today knowing that if you've allowed this, uh, allowed your peace to be siphoned off, if you maybe know someone that you could encourage them with the word. Now remember, the word is never used to beat someone up, but the word is used to encourage, lift up, exhort, support. And really, that's true prophecy, okay? So you can prophesy through the word. That is true basic prophecy is to exhort and encourage with the word of God. So Psalm 85 and verse 11. And that says, his, he promises peace to his people. 
his faithful servants in the King James Version. The New Living Translation says this, Truth springs up from the earth and righteousness smiles down from heaven. So, But just before that verse, in verse 10, it says, Unfailing love and truth have met together. That is the story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. His unconditional love and his truth truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Isn't that, I mean, that what a word picture that gives us. Again, our peace is found in Jesus. Remember, he and the Father are one. Just a little bit more, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 165. 165. says, Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. So, those who love the word of God have great peace. We could say, Those who love the word made flesh who came and dwelt among us have peace. Those who love Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, have peace. Don't, again, a, a minister with whom I worked used to say, just don't read the Bible, read the Bible. So grab onto that, Psalm 119, 165. And we've already taken a look at Psalm 9, 6, where we're told that the coming Messiah is Prince of Peace. Now let's take a look. There's a whole lot more Old Testament scriptures, but for the sake of time, I, I think my point is coming across. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And I'm actually going to read to you this from the New Living Translation and then also read it to you from the Passion Translation because I think it will come alive to you. Okay? The New Living Translation says, And let or allow, remember that we have something to do with it, and let or allow the peace that comes from Christ's rule. Think all the way back to Matthew, that we're to take our his yoke upon us and he will give us rest. It says, And the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body the body of Christ, you are called to live in peace. You are called to live in peace. In the Passion Translation, let me get that out here for you. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 says this. Let, or I'm just, I'm just going to start here. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one. So where does our peace come from? From the anointed one. Who is the anointed one? The Christ, Jesus himself. It says, who called you to peace as part of his one body. As his one body. Again, let allow your heart... When it says let, think the word allow. Allow your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one. Now, one of our teachers at Bible school always had this answer, and it was kind of the answer to 101 questions, and it is be led by peace. Be led by peace. We're not to be led by anxiety. We're not to be led by worry. We're not to be led by the fear of the future. We, as believers, are to be led by the very peace of the anointed one, Christ Jesus. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now, my grandmother, bless her heart, she thought that she honestly was called to worry. She was called to worry for her children. You know, and, and her idea of that was she was called to pray for them. But in the mix of all of that, worry would slip in there that whole spirit of worry thing, okay? So, but she thought she was really doing her part. 
But I want to tell you, if you've been born again, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these things are referenced, or we are told that they are fruit of the Spirit. So when you know Jesus, this fruit will become manifest more and more in our lives if we allow the Word to work in us. That's the thing. Remember, we've got to allow the Word to work in us. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 talks about that we are to, what, pursue peace. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, we are to cast all of our anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for us. Now, let's take a look at Philippians chapter 4, and we'll close out there. Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Well, we'll begin in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Everybody say that after me. Don't worry about anything, about every. We're supposed to not do that. It says, don't worry about anything and instead. So what are we going to replace worry with? Instead, we are to pray about everything. What does that mean? We talk to the one who can actually do something about it. We talk to Jesus. In prayer, we have communion with our Father who entrusted everything in Him, about Him, to Jesus. We go to Him. So if we're lacking peace, we go to Him. We're lacking joy, we go to Him. We're lacking rest, we go to Him. The rest of this verse says this. It says, tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. Don't look don't looking at man. Don't go looking to yourself. Tell the Lord what you need. Then thank Him for it. Then you will experience God's peace. You can't carry the burden for yourself. Now, when I was younger, I had this, this mental image that when I prayed, I would lay whatever I was concerned about, interested in, at His feet. But how many of you know that we're really good about seeing that, but some of us are actually will actually try to go pick it up and say, okay, thank you, Lord, I'm picking this up and taking it back with me. I'm going to encourage you that when you pray about something and then you thank him for the answer, leave it at his feet. Don't pick it up and go, okay, now I'll deal with this. Allow Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, who is your peace, who says he has gifted with you with peace. He says, I give you rest. I give you peace. Don't pick it back up. Don't pick it back up. It's not worth it, guys. But instead, so this is the last, this is what you need to do. So if you've been depleted, we looked at that where the disciples had just come back and he had, Jesus himself had just heard that John the Baptist had been killed. What did they do? They went away on purpose to rest and get refilled. If you find yourself picking up your burdens again, take a look at the rest of this scripture. It's so important. It says, when you don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for it, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It exceeds anything we can understand. If there's no way that you can naturally explain to someone how you can walk in peace when it looks as if the world is falling down around you except for Jesus. So part of why I began teaching two weeks ago about that Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the children's bread, and we looked at communion last week and that he's our redemption, he's our healer, is that we need to know who Jesus is so that then we can share with someone else why we have the hope we have. 
You can share with someone else why you can, why you are able to walk in peace. It says, then you will experience God's peace, not the world's peace, not man's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And then he says this, his peace, whose peace? Jesus' very own peace, the peace of the anointed one. What will it do for you? It will guard your hearts. It will guard your spirit man. His peace will guard your spirit man. And it says not only will he guard your heart, but he also will guard your mind when you live in Christ Jesus. So this morning, I know we've taken a bit of a ride around the scriptures, but the point is no matter what Satan lays in your path, no matter the natural things that happened, whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly, your ability to walk through those things successfully resides in your knowledge that it's Jesus who gives you peace. In fact, he is the peace that you need to live within. It's possible when you live in the word, it's possible when you walk out that word and become active. Remember, we're to accept and receive the gift. We are to ourselves enter into rest. We ourselves, if we have an issue or problem, it is our job to then bring it to the Father. And the outcome is that he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. His peace will not only guard our spirits, but it will guard our minds as well. I've known people who are just all over the page. One moment they're way up here, the next moment they're just down in the valley. They're all over the map. And I know that we have emotions and I know that it's healthy to acknowledge that we feel a particular way. However, it's only God's peace that will guard us, that will protect us, that will keep us, that will provide for us. Let us walk in faith as we do what the Word says. We don't want to be people of little faith or no faith. We want to trust in the one who has provided all of this for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for everyone here this morning and everyone who will, will hear this message, who will watch this message. Lord, first of all, we thank you that when we accept the finished work of Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, that he lived a sinless life. He gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sin, my sin, every person who has ever lived. He did the final act, even as he said on the cross, it is finished. He became sin who knew no sin. And not only, Lord, did he become sin, but he went to hell and carried back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He won. He is our resurrected king, our prince of peace. So, Father, I thank you that if there is anyone in the sound of my voice who watches this who doesn't know Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God, I thank you, Lord, that they will acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That it's as simple as acknowledging your need, repenting from anything and everything that separated them from you, and just saying, I'm going to serve you forever, Lord. I thank you that you came as a babe, a virgin birth, perfect in every way, and that you lived out your life sinless. Why? For me, that I could become a child of the Most High God. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that when someone believes that and actually confesses with their mouths that they become children of the Most High God. So, Father, we thank you. That includes that they now can walk in peace. We who are believers, let us be reminded by your Holy Spirit this week and in the weeks and, uh, and months and years to come that we've already been given the gift of peace. It is then our job to walk in that peace. So, Father, we thank you. Just bless each and every person who is under the sound of my voice. 
I just ask you, Lord, that you protect them and that you keep them, but that by your Holy Spirit, you would make known to them and illuminate the scriptures to them that promise that Jesus himself is our peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. I would just encourage you that to walk out of here in peace today, to know that there is nothing that can stop you, even though you're surrounded by difficult situations, when you walk in peace through Jesus Christ. I know it's time for offering. So Davis, would you take up the offering, please, and come up and pray over it? Just thank you that this goes to the work of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, this local congregation, and it goes out. I, you know that I am one of those that you support, so I want to thank you for that. And uh, I'm just believing, God, that this congregation lacks in no good thing. The finances to do the work of the ministry are here and are increasing in Jesus' name. Davis, would you pray? Heavenly Father, we just come before you now as we receive this offering. That the offering that the members, the body, present here that it will be good. Uh, it will be sown in the good ground now, and that seed will come back and return to them. In Jesus' name, amen.